Are you looking for expert analysis and the latest news in the promotional products industry? You must be, because you're listening to the Promo Marketing Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Promo Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Sean Norris, Editor-in-Chief of Promo Marketing, joined, as always, by Brendan Meneface, Senior Digital Editor. Brendan, what's going on, my friend? Not much, man. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm enjoying the uh, the summer here. We're in the, the little midsummer uh, lull in the news. We've got uh, not not a ton going on, but there's a, a couple fun stories that I want to get to on this this uh, episode with you. Um, and we're, we're going to make it a, as jam packed a show as we can for the uh, the, the midsummer. Uh, our guest today is Swire Ho. He's co-founder of Garuda Promo and Branding Solutions, a distributor based in Los Angeles. Swire, who also goes by the Promo Guy joined the show to talk about some ways that distributors can expand their business networks. Uh, that includes starting a podcast, which is something we've covered on the show before, uh, but also being a guest on other podcasts, uh, creating and repurposing content, using LinkedIn to make more meaningful business connections and a whole bunch more. Um, Swire has done all those things and he's kind of a prolific content creator himself. He has some really compelling reasons why doing these things is, is worthwhile for distributors. Uh, so it was really cool of him to stop by and kind of share some of that inside info uh, with our audience. Um, it's also not as much work as people might think, and the payoff can be pretty huge. So we'll see in a bit here what Swire had to say. Um, but like I said, let's let's get to some of those those news stories before we get into the interview. Um, I figured we'd just do a couple quick hits on some things that were fun or otherwise noteworthy. Uh, like I said, there's not a ton of you know huge, huge news happening out there right now. But there yeah, were a couple we, things that were uh, that yeah, you know, I think thought we should hit on today. Definitely, especially since we took a little bit of a break before this episode, so we got we got a little bit of game of catch up to do. Yeah, we're enjoying our summer vacations here too, as I hope <laughs> anyone yeah. listening is. Unless you're if you're listening to this in like December and you're just catching up on the archive, well, I hope you're having a good December too. But right now we're in the summer, so we're we're uh, we're just in full summer mode here. Um, but the, the biggest story I would say, I think, is is PPAI naming uh, Dale Denham their next president and CEO, right? That's got to be the biggest one with inter- industry application here, right? Yeah, that was that was definitely big news. And it was nice to see, uh, you know, we've, we've worked with Dale before. It was nice to see a familiar face in the yeah, press release. Friend of the program, Dale Denham. Um, yeah. He, I think he's going to begin in mid-August, according to PPAI. Um, it was always going to be tough to fill... Paul Bellantone's shoes. I think Dale's a, a great choice. I mean, he's a former contributor to pro marketing, uh, always been a big advocate for the industry, super plugged into what's going on out there. He's done his, uh, his online 18, which is that, you know, roundup of the top basically influencers on promo social media, uh, ran a couple of those in PM, which was great. Uh, and he's got a ton of experience. You know, he was with Geiger for, I think 10 years, uh, through some tremendous growth for them. Uh, has a lot of experience with, you know, running a membership organization. He was with ASI for a while before that. So solid choice there. Yeah, definitely. Aside from his, like like you said, the Geiger uh, experience, you know, being such a tech guy, there's not a lot of names that would be, uh, you could say, are better uh, positioned to like bring a company into the future and be kind of forward thinking than Dale's going to be for them. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it, you, you know, you talk about Dale's experience with managing the the tech side of, of things at Geiger and, and as their chief information officer, um, huge asset to have for PPAI, a big asset for the industry. I think he's going to be, you know, really, a really good, strong ambassador uh, along the lines of what Paul did. So I think, you know, solid choice PPAI, great, great work. Yeah, we, we backed this 100%. <laughs> 
<laughs> our input is, uh, is, is, you know, extremely important and valued and considered. Exactly. Um, that was the big industry one. Then just a couple of uh, smaller ones that were, were pretty fun. So that we, we ran this story earlier in the week, but the, uh, the free Brittany t-shirts, uh, I stress it's not free Brittany, but free Brittany. So uh, Brendan, you want to take this one and give a little of the back yeah. here? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people I'm sure are very aware of the, the, the Britney Spears, the free bit, the free Britney campaign after that Hulu documentary came out, you know, detailing some of the, the horrors of her conservatorship that her dad is pretty much in control of her just about every aspect of her life. So there's been that huge, huge movement to, for, you know, to release her from that legal conservatorship and that's they've been using the hashtag free Britney. Now, one guy in the UK wanted to capitalize that on, a, on that a little bit and ordered 10,000 t-shirts, but he spelled her name B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y rather than B-R-I-T-N-E-Y. So as I said in the article, he's uh, trying to free the Brittany region of Northern France from its uh, imperial clutches. I bet this guy is kicking himself that he didn't go with print on demand for these shirts. He could have saved himself a lot of a lot of money and hassle if he had just. Yeah, wanted. that's a really good point. So now he's trying to get rid of them, hoping that you know some some people find it in their hearts to bail him out. And he said he'll still donate twenty percent of the proceeds to the campaign, but otherwise he's going to ship these off to a developing country. He said. Which- yeah. That- I think he said in there that he's he's going to try to get like four, $4 a piece for these things instead of what the original price was. And I think yeah. he's going to be lucky to get that unless somebody views this as a weird, you know, collector's item or some internet oddity that takes off. There's that there might be one or two of those, but you know, I, like I said in the article, if I were this guy, I would not be holding my breath to sell out. No, definitely not. I, I think in one of the stories he said that this was a printing error on the supplier side. I feel like this was definitely just him misspelling it, right? I think he was just working quickly trying to, you know, if these things move so fast, you want to be, you want to be one of the first people to make a free Britney shirt. He probably just typed it real quickly or maybe he did it on his phone and autocorrect made it the way it was spelled. I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe he did it in text edit, which, which as you and I know on the editing side has a tendency (laughs) to autocorrect everything. It really does. So, you know, that could have been any number of things. Either way, it boils down to, you got to pay attention. You got to, yeah, man, just proofread, just give yeah. it a look before you send it out to the printer. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to pin this on him. It could have been an error on the supply side, but it feels like, you know, it, the printer probably just got the job and printed it exactly as it, as it came in. Exactly. Uh, all right, moving on. Got a couple left here. So this one, you and I have discussed uh, the Marvel series, Disney plus series, Loki uh, at length off air. Mm-hmm. Um, we both had a really good time with it. Uh, there's one thing we didn't touch on, though, that I thought would be fun to talk about here, which is, uh, so in episode two, I believe it is, Loki is rocking this Windbreaker investigator jacket decked out in branding for the TVA, which is the the time variance authority in the show. Uh, so that's the big shadowy organization at the center of, you know, some of the happenings in the uh, in the series. But how great is this jacket and like the TVA branding overall? Cause oh, I, dude, I saw this, I, I saw this and this is probably the kind of thing that normal people don't even notice. But as soon as the jacket showed up, I was like, God oh, dang, that's, that's a nice jacket. And left, I have those left chest imprint. Yep. <laughs> second imprint area across the back, really making use of the space is just good stuff. It's amazing. Like my friends will ask like, 
what they think is rhetorical questions like how much do you think that shirt costs with them like i'll tell you exactly how much that <laughs> shirt costs to make do you want it with the the uh, the eqp or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm with you you know i think we, one of the things we talked about off air was just the uh the very timeless branding they went with for the tva branding which like obviously is real hot right now with a lot of different companies so like that kind of retro but modern look yeah, the retro future vibe that really just fit the whole vibe of the show. I mean, the, the production design was fantastic. And that's yeah. that is one of the things we talked about off air. Like that main logo is great. It's just TVA, but it's kind of got those 70s, you know, bubble letters on it with yep. the, some some pointy edges. And it doesn't hurt that Tom Hiddleston was rocking it because he you looks know, good at everything. He, yeah. he, he, you get a guy that right. handsome, you know, he's going to look good in it. Yeah. It's it's Wait. unfair, really, how handsome Tom Middleston is, but that's why he's on the big screen. <laughs> um, yeah, the very the very browns and orange, uh, you know, mid century tones too were pretty cool. Yeah, it was it, and again, very kind of seventies, and mm-hmm. which also reminded me of my my uh, bedroom growing up as a teenager, <laughs> which was a little weird. Um, but the uh, I think he's also rocking a, a TVA branded jumpsuit at one point, and that had like that main logo right on the chest too. I mean, just just great production design all around. And I, yep. of course, immediately after seeing it, look you know looked up where I could purchase some of that merchandise and kind of see what they had out there for sale. I think you can get a replica of the jacket um, through. I want to say Hot Topic has it. Um, which isn't surprising. So I think we, maybe we're not the only ones who noticed how great it was, but there's there's a bunch of good t-shirts and uh, other Loki merchandise out there. Yeah, I'm sure that'll only grow with season two. Yeah, season two coming. I don't know if that's spoiler or not, but... Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, but that leads us into the last of the, the stories I wanted to talk with you today. Uh, the topic of merchandising for a uh, pop culture entertainment property, Space Jam 2. Uh, yeah. We've been we've been on this beat for a little bit here on the the uh, the magazine side uh, and on the web, but the the movie opened uh, I guess it was last weekend uh, as of this recording opened with thirty one million uh, that knocked Black Widow out of the top spot and I think that was a surprise for a lot of people. Uh, it was expected to open at twenty million, um, so you got to figure the insane amount of promotional marketing and merchandising helped with that, right? Oh, God, yeah. And, you know, like we said before, this was pretty much made to be a merchandising vehicle. You know, like, I don't yeah, think it was, LeBron it was a James merchandising... getting involved in this is out of, like, artistic curiosity. Right. It was a merchandising event with a movie attached to it, yeah. I think. And that's fine. That's what the first one was, too. Like, MJ, well, uh, you know, whether or not MJ needed the money is a discussion for another day, but... <laughs> we, could, we could go deep on that. That's, on a, that's a different podcast, but... Uh... But yeah, you know, what was, you remind me of the figure that they hit with that first movie is like over $1 billion. I think it was a billion dollars in merchandising yeah. revenue. That's that's the number that's been thrown around on the internet. And I, the Space Jam 2 team said that they want wanted to exceed that. That was their goal. Well, it seems perfectly reasonable to do that. I mean, this was 1996 when the first one came out. And now you have so many more options. Like, and like we're going to get into these NFTs the, that complement the physical promos and stuff. There's just so many more options for them to do like co-branded things and collectibles. Yeah. And one of those things was the, um, that I thought was really cool was the kit that they did with, uh, was Nike and Xbox. I yeah. think teamed up. So there were custom space jam branded Nikes and an Xbox controller that had like the Wiley coyote roadrunner scenes mm-hmm. printed on it. Um, some of them were shipped in 
like the, the box looked like a locker. Yeah, um, I think if you were a, kind of a VIP, they sent it to you in a, in a custom box. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that ties in with the strategy we're seeing from tons of brands now, which is, you know, influencer marketing and sending merchandise to uh, influencers online who can then amplify that message through their social channels. Um, I just looked up the figure. It was 200 licensed merchandise partners for Warner Brothers. This is in 96? Uh, this is for Space Jam 2. Okay. And that was, their, their goal was to top the original's $1.2 billion merchandise yeah, that's, haul. That's so we'll... We'll see. I mean, I know that it's it's still kind of a tough time to open a, a movie with, um, you know, COVID restrictions and, and people just kind of hesitant to get back to, into full action, full theater, uh, movie going experience. Um, so I think that 31 million was maybe less than what we could have expected this the movie to open to during you know, normal times. I think it had a $150 million budget. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to take that for sure. But who knows whether the current circumstances will affect you know how much merchandise that the movie brings in whether enough people go to see it that they're interested in it to to pick up some of the the stuff um the other thing was uh that we covered was that that they launched with the ninety one thousand nfts um which you know shows that they're they're really kind of on the the bleeding edge of merchandising and, and some of the, the things that we've talked about on this show and some of the things we've kept up on with the magazine is, is, you know, those real, um, out ahead of the pack as far as, you know, what people are doing in the merchandising space. Yeah. I think, you know, the one, when we discussed this article or this story about the NFTs, the thing that really stood out to me is just the fact that there's 91,000 of them. I think because NFTs are so new and we're still kind of learning about it, at least from my perspective, I think of them as like, you know, you have the one NFT of this specific, like, whatever it is to say, a, a slam dunk. And it's kind of like a Hope Diamond type thing. The, the writer from The Verge, who uh, whose name escapes me, kind of put it as like, you're not striking gold. It's more of a prize in a cereal box type yeah. thing with this. And that really, that really clicked for me. Like, oh, yeah, like, you can I actually have this. the quote right here. It was Richard Lawler from The Verge. He said, it's more of a breakfast cereal prize giveaway vibe than a hunt for a golden ticket. That's exactly right. And, you know, like it makes it much more accessible to, you know, just everyone. It doesn't seem like you're not going to be spending $10,000 on this. And also it has, you know, kind of the same stakes as a collectible card. And that kind of ties in more with the promotional products industry because you can make, I'll say you have an NFT of this GIF of the Bugs Bunny card. You can then get a real one like that, like the Dodgers did with that uh, World Series ring replica. Right, and it's it's NFTs for the people, man. They're they're taking back the power, you know. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. At first, it was they were making headlines because they were getting a absurd value uh, at at auction. Um, was the one sold for like sixty million dollars or something like that? It's some, it's crazy. Now you know this is again something that we talked about as recently as a few months ago uh on this show was the way that you know nfts are becoming more commonplace and what the applications are going to be moving forward for promotional marketing and merchandising purposes and this is kind of a a perfect example of you know what that path could look like whether this is something that has any kind of longevity we won't really know for a while obviously but you know it's it's cool and it's interesting to see the way some of these larger brands are using them and to show that there are applications for you know, promotional marketing industry for sure i'm really interested to see where it goes yeah um all right last thing before we get to our our interview with swire 
Uh, and this is the real big news. This is the this is what saved the best for last. But happy to announce that our live in-person power meetings are back, my friend. I know this is the the news we've been waiting for. Uh, so long overdue, but uh, the promo industry's preferred hosted buyer format events. Uh, three and a half days, one-on-one meetings, networking, relationship building for suppliers and distributors. Uh, you know, with all the supply chain carnage going on right now, those relationships are more important than ever. Um, plus, you know, our power meetings are always held in just fantastic locations. For example, coming up, we have Napa, Palm Springs, Park City, Utah, San Diego, uh, all the good stuff, great locations, great networking opportunities. If you haven't been to a power meeting, um, you know, definitely check out the website, pmpowermeetings.com. You can also search power meetings at magazine.promomarketing.com. It's our new site. You'll find a whole bunch of success stories from previous attendees. Uh, could not be more thrilled that these things are back. Um, the next one, let's see if I can pull up the dates here. I was not prepared for dates. Man. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll edit this to make it seem like you were. <laughs> yeah, make me sound good. Um, August 23rd to 25th in Napa. Uh, followed by Palm Springs in September, Park City is in October, and San Diego is in November. So do not miss those. Definitely check them out. Again, the website is pmpowermeetings.com. You can get all your information there. Uh, that should do it for news. Unless you get, have anything else you want to get into here, Brendan? No, I'm just thinking about all the, like, that's a, what a dream list of vacation spots. Yeah, man, that's, I, I feel like I want to just road trip that. Yeah. Like a, a traveling caravan along with our power meetings. Uh, especially end up in San Diego in November. Oh my God. You can't yeah. beat that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right, let's get to that interview. Here's, uh, here's what Swire had to say about uh, expanding your business network. Swire, we really appreciate you making time to be here. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on with, you know, running your own business and creating a ton of your own content. So thank you for, for joining us. Um, you had a, a really interesting story, a, a kind of a uh, a path to promo that's a little, we'll say non-traditional. I mean, you, you started your career as a, a sound engineer working in recording studios uh, in LA, I think, right? Um, yeah, it's a long time ago. And surprisingly, with the pandemic, this actually works out with all yeah. the uh, <laughs> setup that we've been doing on Zoom. Yeah, you were you, you were just preparing your whole career for this moment. You didn't even realize it. Um, <laughs> do you, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and you know your your company and how you got to promo from that sort of start that you had? Sure. First of all, thank you for uh, having me, you know, as a guest, you know, long-term listener and honored to be a guest. Uh, my name is Swire. Uh, I also call myself hashtag the promo guy. The name of my company is Garuda Promo and Branding Solutions. Uh, we're located here in Los Angeles. So uh, we started as an engineer, uh, somehow got into CD and DVD replication. We actually were a supplier for the promotional product industry when people used to buy CDs and DVDs and now uh, became a distributor about seven, eight years ago, and then been doing that since it's a fun industry. So the big reason we wanted to have you on was to talk about some ways distributors can expand their business networks and market themselves outside of some of the, you know, I'm gonna use air quotes, traditional means of advertising. One of those ways, uh, and this is something that you've done and that you've done really well, uh, was starting a podcast uh, for your business and kind of using that as a platform to get yourself out there. But can, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, how did that all come about and, and what has the results been and sort of what's your, your strategy there? 
I think it's keep evolving. I've been doing it for about over a year now. So it started. I just wanted to have conversation with、uh, business people that I felt、uh, very interesting. It could be you know a top sales at a solar company. You know maybe a SEO expert. You know I, I basically ask them the question that I would want to ask and know myself. But it kind of evolved, and as I.、Uh, Talk to a PR expert. You know, she actually taught me a great advice. Normally, when you know me as a salesperson, as a business professional, if I reach to the prospect, they know that I might be trying to sell them a product. But now, if I reach out to a dream prospect, and my approach will be, you know, I have a podcast, and I would like to have your CEO to be on my show as an expert. You know, to tell about your industry. Chances that for me going through doors with a podcast behind my back is a lot easier. I I could. Yeah,、uh, honestly, say with that approach, I was able to connect and network with a lot more people、uh, online and offline. And you had mentioned off air, you know, that there were kind of two ways to look at this. One was more big picture. You know, what were some of the benefits、uh, from as a distributor for for your business? And you you sort of mentioned those just now, but you also talked about the nuts and bolts aspect of it too. I mean, do you want to get into that a little bit? Kind of what goes into starting a podcast, and what are some some things you know if, if If you are a distributor, that you know, what what would you need to know starting up? Well, I think if you, we all are expert right now for、uh, Zoom meetings. So if you don't invest in other platform,、uh, you can use Zoom for recording, which is what we're doing right now.、Uh, I would suggest if you are interested in doing that,、uh, have a good set of headsets, you know, so you can hear properly. So、uh, you should also buy a microphone. You know, using your Uh, building mic from the laptop is not good enough to、uh, have a podcast. You know, like you know, all of us doing right now, we have an external microphone. I think cost-wise, maybe two hundred dollar or so. You could you could start, but then as you get more serious, you know, invest in a better microphone.、Uh, definitely have a quiet room, and you know, if all of us working from home, let the kids know that don't walk in when you know mom and dads are you know have, recording a podcast. That that's part of my my standard operating procedure for podcast recording right now. <laughs> so you know, starting a podcast might not be for everyone. Some people might not have the time. Others might be you know intimidated by some of that tech that you just mentioned. Others just might not be that interested in it. But being a guest on other people's podcasts is you know a really effective way of marketing yourself if you're a distributor. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's a、uh, very. Good concept, but then most people don't understand that. You know, why would I go on other people podcasts? Am I selling myself, or am I unloading what my supplier just sent me for the entire product catalog?、Uh, first, I wanted to point out: if you ever be a guest on other people podcasts, never sell. You know, you don't want to sell when you're a guest. You know, don't do that. You know, I know that they like to assess. You know, what's the best promotional product I can buy? So. Be tempted and hold yourself back not to unload all the product that you have.、Uh, what I would like to to ask, you know, for listeners to consider is how can you bring value to the show? For example,、uh, a good example for a distributor to consider.、Uh, I've recently been a guest、uh, on a podcast.、Uh, the podcast title is、uh, Trade Show University. So、uh, the podcast actually teach people how to、uh, exhibit at trade show, and one of the aspect. As we know, is they will get promotional product. How do we bring value to the listener、um, to find the right product, you know, for a trade show? And then what you can also do is you knowing that every podcast has the listener. You know, how can you 
use the podcast uh, audience to grow your visibility. And I think uh, listening to one of the PR experts on my podcast, she's saying, you want to be the go-to expert in your industry. And I thought about that deeply. For example, uh, the promotional product industry is big. We have a lot of big distributors that do multi-million dollar business. They have uh, over 100 employees. But on the outside market, if you never bought a promotional product before, you could, you could probably never name uh, a single promotional product company's name. Right. So what if me, Swaiho, hashtag the promo guy, can become the go-to expert for promotional product because I've been on other people's podcasts and their listener, however many listeners that they have, heard my name and the company of uh, the name of my company. So how would that increase my visibility and my credibility to the business? I think this is an untapped market and I think uh, the uh, opportunity is enormous. That's why I, I love to be a guest on other people's podcasts. So essentially this, you know, being a guest allows distributors to position themselves as you know, those subject matter experts. And it also is a way to get out there and kind of cut through some of that noise that that's, you know, out there. There's like you said, there's so many huge companies in the industry and a lot of them are really good at marketing themselves online through SEO and all that stuff. So it's, you know, in search results, this kind of gives maybe smaller distributors another way to, you know, drive some visibility to themselves and th things like that. I mean, what are some of the other marketing benefits there for, for a smaller distributor business? I mean, can you take us through a, a couple of those? Sure. For, for example, what you can do is uh, I always like, I like, I love networking. So you can definitely networking, uh, network with the hosts. Uh, sometimes yeah, at the end of the show, I'll ask them, do you know other podcasts that I'm going to be good on that you can refer me to? Or if I know that, you know, sometimes I go on digital marketing podcasts or sometimes I go to, uh, for example, like I said, uh, teach people how to go to trade show. Do you know there are companies out there that might be beneficial with my services? So I actually ask the host for referral and sometimes I do get them. So that's another lead generation process that I do. And then another uh, techniques that I use is I would ask the host, uh, sometimes, you know, when we talk about podcasts nowadays, it could be a, a streaming too that goes on YouTube and Facebook. I'll ask them for the video and the audio portion of the conversation. I'll actually uh, use a uh, transcripting software to transcribe all the conversation into words. So I put that as a blog post. And then, you know, since I'm in the promotional product industry, I mentioned my keywords over many times or custom, you know, pen, custom t-shirt, whatever the keyword that uh, is good for me on SEO, I put that as a blog. So uh, if you guys think about the social media marketing, the uh, SEO for your website, these are tremendous and good information that people will actually uh, join into the um, transcript that you have. You know, it seems that there are a lot of applications or avenues here in addition to just podcasts. Maybe you write an article, appear in a video, or give some quotes for a story for an industry publication. The cool thing about with all these is that you can repurpose that content afterwards and sort of put it to work marketing your business. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say so. There's actually a lot of uh, tools that, you know, free tools that you can actually use. And I think one of the most kept secrets is uh, you can actually uh, write your own press release for free. Uh, so, you know, what I would do is if I appear on uh, certain podcasts, I'll actually write our own uh, press release and I'll send it out out there. So, 
there are people who are looking for relevant content. I, I'm sure that, you know, being active on looking for news as you are, Brandon, uh, then you're constantly, uh, you know, scanning for newsworthy articles to write about, you know, uh, your goal is, you know, for the conversation and the time that you spend being as a, as a guest, you want to get picked up uh, by, you know, certain other uh, articles or other magazines or even uh, the TV news station. Think about if people want to get a quote on uh, the from the promotional part of industry, uh, would you be the person that they could think of? So if you appears enough to have more uh, releases uh, write about you, chances are you might be getting that call one day. So one of the cool things there is that, and you know, this might be purely anecdotal, but like you said, Brendan and I are, are always online, always looking for news, and and you know, we see a lot of of stories come in, um, you know, and, and to to bring to the promotional products industry. But one of the things that we've seen is there has been this rise in stories in whether it's Forbes or Medium or you know, non-industry publications that are covering the promotional products industry. Um, so to your point, you know, if you're able to get yourself out there as a distributor and, and get in front of some of those, you know, writers and journalists and whomever it is that's looking to cover the industry, that is a, a golden opportunity to get into some of those articles. And, you know, who knows what happens once you get into a publication like Forbes or New York Times or Washington Post that have all had stories on promotional products. That's a, a huge benefit from a, a marketing standpoint and a you know, brand awareness standpoint. Um, but another thing that, that you mentioned off air, and this was a big one and something we've covered a ton of, is expanding your business network using social media, uh, particularly LinkedIn. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting how you specified that you know, that helps you find and connect with meaningful content, contact. Sorry. Um, you know, can you talk about that and you know, maybe give an example of how distributors can do this? Yeah, so one of the ways that I use is uh, my podcast uh, actually live stream on LinkedIn. So we got approved for LinkedIn Live. So, you know, I do the live first and then I'll take the audio portion of the conversation and turn it into a podcast. So uh, I cross promote with my guests. So, for example, uh, I have a coming guest who is coming out with a book right now that's going to be my guest. I create a uh, LinkedIn event. And uh, he will invite his contacts. I will invite my contacts to watch the show. So in that way, I can kind of see what kind of LinkedIn contact that they have. So at the end of the conversation, going back to what I uh, told you before, I asked them, hey, uh, Joe Smith might be a good contact for me. Would you mind to make an introduction for me on LinkedIn? So that's the way that I'm able to, to grow. So because if you are friends, a connection with uh, a person, you can you get to see their, their who they're connected with. So when you ever network with uh, people on LinkedIn, uh, I will throw this out there, you know, as a networking. Let's hop on to a uh, fifteen-minute call on Zoom, uh, and then I will show them. Take a look at all my LinkedIn contacts. If you think that there's a referrals that I can introduce you, let me know, and I'll do the same. And then we hop on a call and kind of like a, a brainstorming uh, session for referrals. That's such an interesting approach to it too, because that's so much more effective than just, you know, throwing a bunch of content out there that you're posting yourself. When you do it that way, you know, you're, you're putting the content to work that you already have that you might've just been posting, but now you're able to get generate, you know, like you said, meaningful connections with that way and, and create, you know, referrals that can lead to actionable business opportunities, which is great. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, an obvious, but then if you have the right mindset, I, I don't think it's uh, difficult to do, to do at all. 
But if you have the time, right, you know, Sean, Brandon, as you know, it takes a lot of time and commitment to do a good podcast, but then to be a guest, you know, there are time commitment, but then I think the reward, you know, it's, it's tremendous, you know, there, it might be the way that I'm doing it right now, but feel free to, to spin it your own way. Maybe there are other, uh, you know, areas that, you know, being a guest can open up for you. Um, and I think, try it, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of resources available. There are so many podcasts that are looking for, for good guests right now. Uh, so just think of it, be resourceful. You know, we are in marketing. We are, uh, we have tremendous resources. We talk to a lot of suppliers. We talk to a lot of clients. You know, how can you be uh, resourceful for, for the podcast? You know, that's the number one goal uh, that I would suggest when you're thinking about being a guest on other people's podcasts. Yeah, and we're, we're always looking for guests too. Um, and, you know, there's so many good stories to tell. So if, if you have any good stories, like Swire said, you know, hit up your local <laughs> podcast and we'll, we'll have you on. Uh, is there anything else you want to add before we, we let you go here if we haven't covered? I think uh, if you're uh, interested, you know, I have, you know, I think the question will be if you are sold, you wanted to be a guest, but, you know, the question is how do I actually become a guest? right? Who do you reach out to? You know, for, you know, tell you a story, you know, I actually email and pitch Sean and Brandon to be on the show. Mm -hmm. So definitely email, you know, podcast that you always listen to, and then uh, tell them why you will be a good guest. What's the value that you could bring to uh, the podcast? And uh, there are also uh, directory that lists all the podcasts that are looking for guests. So obviously look for uh, relevant, you know, podcast that you could be a good value for. So I, I that's what I would suggest uh, to to go. But as you develop uh, credibility, there also uh, a directory that you could actually put up your uh, appearances, kind of like an IMDb for uh, podcast guests and podcast, uh, you know, show. Uh, you could be on there. People see your uh, references, and then they will book you for uh, more shows. And, and on that note, um, if if anyone listening is interested in you know starting your own podcast or just investing in some good audio equipment or kind of checking out any of these other resources swire was kind enough to share a, a ton of links to some more of these so i'll share those down in the show notes once we publish this episode it should be really easy for anybody to check out uh, but swire thanks so much again for joining us and for working through some of those technical difficulties in the middle that hopefully our audience will be blissfully unaware ever happened <laughs> but uh best of luck to you with with garuda and you know all the cool stuff you have going on we really appreciate it thank you so much and that just about does it for this episode. Uh, if you like what you heard, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Uh, be sure to subscribe on promomarketing.com, Google Play, Apple Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any tips or comments, you can always send them our way on Twitter at promo underscore marketing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, for Brendan Menapace, I am Sean Norris, and this is the Promo Marketing Podcast.